Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place, it's time to run or drive with the Game Changers. And we are here, and this is the right place. This is the season four, I think it is, debut of our special series called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. Maybe it's season three. Somebody correct me. We are live. It is Tuesday, January 30th, almost the end of January already. Where is the year going? Let's see what the buzz on the street is. The buzz is a quote from an article we found in the Economic Times. Here's the title, CES versus Detroit Auto Show. And here's the question, has the ever-evolving tech made the car show an afterthought? Automakers now show up at CES, that's a consumer electronics show, for the buzziest discussions about technology that affects their sectors. So let's take a deep dive and look at what happened at CES 2018. How did the attendees react when they saw almost, get this, 300,000 square feet, I hope my numbers are right, of the latest global automotive technology innovations. That's right, at CES. Not just a bunch of gadgets, there was automotive there. Many of those who attended said CES is becoming more influential than the established car shows in Detroit, in Shanghai, in Paris, Tokyo, and Frankfurt. Oh my is all we have to say. So what are the automotive industry newcomers and the disruptors? They may be the most important ones to pay attention to. What are they planning for us? When will autonomous vehicles be safe, safe enough, digitally accessorized enough and affordable enough to persuade you, I'm talking to you all over the world, our dear listeners, persuade you to give up driving and become their precious cargo. What do they have in store for us? And a quick shout out to the founder of this series with me a few years ago, the late Larry Stoley, our car guy at SAP. Larry, we're thinking about you. A lot to consider when I have three experts on the panel. Let me tell you who they are and then we will get started. First up, I'm going to be welcoming Uli Munch. He is a global VP of SAP's Automotive Industry Business Unit. Joining him on the panel is no stranger to Game Changers. He's Jeff Hoylo. He's H-O-J-L-O if you want to look him up. Program Director, Product Innovation, and he leads the IDC Manufacturing Insights Team. And let's see at what else have we got here. We have, I'm scrolling down along here, we have John Lenny at SAP, and I'm looking at John's bio, and let me see who John is. John is a Strategic Industry Advisor at SAP, and we're thrilled to have the three of you on the panel. So let's go around to the front of the table and visit with Uli Munch. And Uli has sent us a very powerful quote from a powerful lady, Eleanor Roosevelt. Anna Eleanor Roosevelt, 1884 to 1962, the longest serving first lady of the United States. She held the post from 1933 to 45 during her husband, Franklin D. Roosevelt's four terms in office. And she was the U.S. delegate to the U.N. General Assembly from 45 to 52. Harry Truman later called her the first First Lady of the World. She was an advocate for human rights. We could have used her today. Here's the quote. Never allow a person to tell you no who doesn't have the power to say yes. Uli Munch, I hope I'm pronouncing your name appropriately. Welcome to Game Changers. How are you, Uli? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. 
Go ahead. Tell me about the quote. Okay. So I picked the quote because uh, <clears throat> I'm running a team really um, in, in automotive uh, where a lot of stuff happens, right? And we're, we're trying to be in, entrepreneurs, changing the game truly within an established company, and there's so much to be done. And uh, I always tell my team, uh, no, is not an acceptable answer. Yeah, do your homework, be prepared. But if you really want to be on top of things, you got to be optimistic. you got to go for it. And, um, you know, I really like to quote because there's so many people who are ex- tell you why things wouldn't work. Uh, just uh, don't, ex- don't listen to them. Ah, <laughs> I like that. Don't listen to them. Are the wrong people saying no in automotive today, Uli? What's your observation? We'll talk about CES specifically a little bit later in the show, but are the wrong people saying, no, you can't have that kind of car? No, you can't have that on the dashboard. No, you can't put that kind of digital accessories in. Is anybody saying no? Or is everybody jumping down and saying, yes, bring it on? What do you see? Well, well, I think uh, there is a, a lot of the in, incumbents that um, have, uh, that, you know, status quo is probably good good for them. And um, people who ah. challenge them are, are here, and uh, we've seen many of them in Las Vegas, and we'll talk about it. So I think ah. well, there's, uh, there's uh, probably there's the, the very optimistic pie-in-the-sky crowd, and then there is the... Uh, you know, protect your turf crowd, and uh, we'll see. That's, that's the battle that we're going to see over the next couple of years. Who's going to win that? Very interesting observation. That's what I was looking for. Who was saying, ah, 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 we like what we have. Don't go anywhere. Okay, thank you very much, Uli. Pleasure to welcome you. And now let's go to our panelist who's been on several times in the past few years. He's Jeff Hoylo at IDC Manufacturing Insights. And Jeff has selected a very long and powerful quote from Elon Musk. There's so much about Musk in the news right now, Jeff. I was looking up his bio just as a refresher, and he's now working on an underground hyperloop connecting New York to Washington, D.C., 29 minutes, oh my goodness, and he's working his company, The Boring, and he is now, that's B-O-R-I-N-G, not the boring like yawn, yawn, leave me alone, like boring a hole through the mountains and the tunnel. Uh, As of December 2016, Musk was ranked 21st on the Forbes list of the most powerful people, and he had a net worth of only $20.9 billion, the 53rd richest person in the world. He's a South African-American business magnet, investor, engineer, inventor. He is the lead designer and founder, CEO of SpaceX. Anybody who doesn't know Elon Musk, look him up. Here's the quote. When somebody has a breakthrough innovation, it's rarely one little thing. Very rarely is it one little thing. It's usually a whole bunch of things that collectively amount to a huge innovation. Jeff Hoylow, how are you? How have you been? I've been well, Bonnie. I hope uh, the same for you. And, uh, you know, maybe... uh, uh, CES 2020, we'll we'll uh, we'll see the Hyperloop in uh, in in uh, action. So, but uh, just another alternative form of transportation we're probably going to be facing in the future. Um, but uh, all is good with me. Thank you. Good. I'm glad to have glad to have you here. Glad you could join us. And so, how would Elon Musk react to our topic today? What is, would he think, or what do you think, through his vision of is CES becoming the world's most important auto show, or does it really matter, Jeff? Maybe it doesn't matter. Um, well, I, I don't think he was there actually, so uh, maybe he doesn't think it is. But uh, you know, I think I think he, uh, you know, from this this quote of um, 
breakthrough innovations being, you know, really multiple little innovations. Uh, it's so emblematic when you go to an event uh, like CES or just if you work in and around the automotive industry uh, these days. It's, it's not uh, just about uh, manufacturers have been around for, you know, 100 plus years uh, coming up with the latest innovation. That's certainly part of it. Um, but it takes, and you know, we can go more more into into this. It takes a broad uh, ecosystem of players to bring a number of point innovations, small innovations, let's say, to, that collectively will amount to the large innovation uh, of you know by what, as everyone says, 2021, we'll have level four, level or level five. Uh, uh, autonomous vehicle technology available. Does that does that mean it, it'll be widespread with uh, with with us on the phone here? Um, perhaps not. Maybe it's more commercial. But uh, that's that's kind of what people are, are are moving towards. So I, you know, I usually go with a historical quote um, when I'm with you, Bonnie. But I, I just couldn't mm-hmm. resist using this one because it's uh, I think so apropos to. Uh, to our discussion today, and, and just the uh, the way that the, the speed of of life and business uh, these days requires so many little innovations to to uh, get done, which which need to get done, and, and automotive is uh, ground zero for that. Thank you. So well put. Thank you very much. I was just intrigued with the comment about the boring company uh, in, in when I was looking him up in the news last night. Fascinating. He just knows no bounds. But I, I love the idea that it's a bunch of little things. You don't have to conquer the world in one seating or one sitting, do you, Jeff? It's, it's an accumulation of ideas and thoughts and actions and moving forward. So thank you. Great quote as always. And welcome back. And now let's speak with John Lenny. And John has said, sent us a quote from Sir Winston Churchill, who has a very long name. Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill, K-G-O-M-C-H-T-D, P-C-C-D-L-F-R-S-R-A. I don't know what those titles mean, but they were important. 1874 to 1965, British statesman, army officer and writer, prime minister of the UK from 1940 to 45, and again, 51 to 55. He won the Nobel Prize in Literature for his lifetime work, citing his mastery of historical and biographical description as well as brilliant oratory in defending exalted human values. We could still use him today. Here is the quote John has selected. To improve is to change, so to be perfect is to have changed often. John Lenny, newcomer to Game Changers, how are you today? Doing great, Bonnie. It's good to be here. Uh, Thank you. Talk to me about your quote. Very interesting. Well, I'm a, a bit of a history buff, so I went the historical route on the quote uh, and I thought uh, Sir Winston Churchill being uh, somewhat relevant uh, today with the recent movie out about him and some of the things right. like that, I thought this was a good quote, and I thought it was relevant uh, to the auto industry, um, even building on the, the quote that uh, Jeff provided from, from uh, Elon Musk. Um, change is everywhere in the industry. The industry itself is, uh, is and how we define it, uh, traditionally has been changing, uh, and uh, we can see it in the products and the technology and even the topic of our show today, uh, where uh, the industry goes to show off its latest and greatest is all changing. And uh, we're seeing it, uh, like I said, every day. So I thought this was a really appropriate quote um, for the topic of the day. 
Very, very appropriate. And, and John, I'm in, intrigued with the word perfect in hearing this quote because we've had so much controversy about autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars. I think it was about a year ago, uh, two reporters rigged up an off-road control, remember, of a car, and they managed to overcome the, the controls in the car and have it go off to the side of the road, I think, in a ditch. It was all planned. It wasn't a stunt, but it was a, a press gig, if you will. It was a press um, attempt to show what the control control is possible, the hacking is possible, and so when we talk about to be perfect, to have changed often, do you think there's a quest for perfection that the public is demanding in terms of a lot of these self-driving technologies? I don't want to get too deep into that, but what's your thought about the word perfect? How perfect does it have to be? And that was in my intro. What is it going to take for those of us on this call and those of us, the people listening around the world, to give up their own keys and say, yeah, I'll climb in the back of that self-driving car? How perfect does it have to be, John? Well, I think it has to be uh, pretty near perfect, and I think okay. the answer to that is also generational. Um, people of my generation are going to be much more reluctant and dry, and expect more perfection than, say, uh, my children. My children will accept technology and just assume that it all works and accept that. So I think, uh, you know, it needs to be near perfect for the fully autonomous level five uh self-driving vehicles, but, uh, you know, perfection is in the eye of the beholder. So I think there's a, a generational aspect on the acceptance of the new technology that we'll see here over the next uh, number of years. That is a fascinating answer. Go ahead. Who wants to talk? I hear somebody. Jeff, sorry, I just interject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the instance you, you referenced, Bonnie, the, you know, the 2014 uh, Jeep Cherokee that was, uh, yeah. was hacked and Taking control of um, was really a you know a service to the to the industry and okay. a piece of well a piece of innovation if you will that is going to progress uh, autonomous vehicle technology and uh, help to gain the trust of uh, of the general public of uh, city and federal officials um, to put the regulations in place that need to happen to to move people to a mindset that you know uh, autonomous vehicles are safe. Um, and they'll continue to get smarter and safer over, over time. So, so I think you know, actions like that, um, the technology advancements that are happening within the vehicle are just astounding uh, these days, um, will all lead to a point where you know, we at least, I think, accept autonomous vehicles for, uh, for, certain, uh, to, to, for certain activities. Um, you know, maybe they'll take generations for um, people to completely throw away their keys, if you will. Um, I mean, I certainly love, love to drive, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but all of the processes we're going through right now, all will, uh, will, will, will get there with that. Thank you. Great. I'm, I'm really glad you chimed in, and I sit corrected. I thought maybe it was the last year or two. It was really 2014, Jeff, that long ago, yeah. four years yeah. almost. Yeah. Wow, time flies. I'm glad you said they did a service. Appreciate that very much. Let's go around the table to Uli Munch. Uli, a couple questions for you, not to get too personal, but we'd love to know where you're calling from today. And want to know what's in your cup that makes you happy these days. Hopefully, if you're in a self-driving car, you can hold that cup and drink and enjoy it. If you're not, we hope there's a cup holder in the nearby vicinity. And otherwise, what did you have to drink over the holiday that you loved, or what are you drinking today, Uli? Okay, Bonnie. Well, I'm calling in from uh, Waldorf, Germany, which is um, outside of Heidelberg, which probably uh, a lot of the listeners are familiar with, uh, this uh, romantic um, place. 
Well, let me tell you, in January in Germany, it's it's not that romantic. It's uh, it's a very cloudy day, and it's um, you know we're looking forward to the summer. I live in the states. I live outside of uh, Philadelphia in um, in Wilmington, Delaware. And as such, I like IPAs, and here you guess it. I don't have it in my cup right now, but uh, hopefully later tonight I'll have a, a glass of Dogfish Head IPA. That's my favorite. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Okay, well, I'm glad you're having a good time, and thank you for the weather report, and we're very happy to have you on the show. And you sound good, by the way. The phone is working just great. And now let's turn to Jeff Hoylo, our returning guest. Jeff, where are you today, and what makes you happy to drink? So I'm in the uh, Silicon Valley area uh, on the west coast of the U.S. now, and um, the, the weather is beautiful here. Um, I'm from Boston, uh, so I feel the pain that really described of uh, January. Uh, January winters in, in Boston are uh, not always not always fun. Uh, when I when I got up uh, the morning of uh, to take my flight to CES earlier this month, it was uh, it was minus five Fahrenheit. Uh, so anyway, I'm enjoying oh. the weather here uh, this week. Um, you know, I by the way, I love Dogfish IPA. Oh, fantastic beer. Um, but uh, this morning, um, I, I have a Two things going on here. I have a classic, uh, and maybe classic and new here. So a classic cappuccino and uh, a uh, smoothie, which is called a green green machine. So I'm kind of kind of balancing out Ooh. here uh, my my approach, and it's working well for me. Now tell me something, Jeff. Were you at CES when the power went out, and what what did you think? Yes, actually, I was in I was in that building, um, and uh, certainly a lot of irony in in that um, in that yep. occurrence. Uh, it didn't. The power did not go out in the the room I was in. I was in. I was in a meeting. Uh, but uh, I guess on part of the show floor, it uh, it went out and an announcement came on. It's certainly a little alarming, but uh, you know, I guess uh, the the you know, power grid infrastructure is certainly uh, certainly needs some advancements and innovations on that front as well. So, I think so. Considering calm, so. the E stands for electronics, I'm going to give a quick recipe here from MarthaStewart.com for the Green Machine Smoothie, if you don't mind. Jeff, tell me if this is the one you like. Six romaine leaves chopped, four kale leaves chopped, a half a cup of chopped pineapple, half a cup of fresh parsley sprigs, half a cup of chopped mango, and an inch of fresh ginger peeled and chopped. Does that with water in a blender? Does that sound like the one you enjoy? Yeah, pretty pretty close. Did you mention kiwi and spirulina as well? No, it's not in oh. Martha's list. So right, we're well. going to have to tell Martha we have a Jeff Hoylo version. How about that? There you go. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Martha, move over. It's Jeff smoothie time. Okay, and John Lenny, you know how this goes. The two questions, where are you today? And tell us a little beverage story. What makes you happy, John? Yeah, I'm in the uh, windy city of Chicago, Illinois today, and uh, not usually the place you want to be in January, but today is a bright, sunny, beautiful day and not a lot of snow on the ground, so I think I'm lucking out in that regard, um, relatively speaking. So in my cup, I I had uh, an interesting uh, uh, brandy over the holidays, and I picked up a couple bottles of this. It's an Armenian brandy called Ararat. Mm. And uh, very unique, uh, and I've been enjoying that uh, since the holidays. So like Uli, I don't have one in my cup right now, but uh, perhaps later this evening uh, I'll enjoy uh, Avalat brandy. 
Sounds very good. Sounds very warming. And speaking of windy, I think a couple of people men- mentioned the wind. Jeff Hoyler, you may not know this, but I left New York behind and I moved down south to Durham, North Carolina, where the weather is such as they say, if you don't like it, wait 20 minutes and it will change. So a week ago, we had eight inches of snow, which shocked everybody. And being a diehard New Yorker, I went and borrowed a shovel and I shoveled and it was heavy snow, about 14 inches on the shovel by the time I pushed it from one side of the driveway to the other. And uh, the joke was on me because 48 hours later we had 70 degree weather and it was all gone. So there, but I got great exercise. But it is windy here a lot. And this morning before we started the show, the wind was really whipping against the house, against my home office and the side of the house. So it's very calm now and I'm happy for that. But as Jeff knows and as Uli and John are about to find out, I think Uli asked me this question on the prep call. What do I drink? They only allow me to have water on radio show days, Uli. And you know the reason why. So I have a cool, clear mug with a pink straw. And the pink is because the sun is shining today. And even though it's 33 degrees and windy, I'm happy that the sun is shining. And that's good enough for me. No more snow and rain. Rain torrentially the past uh, 36 hours. So very happy to have a sunny pink day. And that's all I'm going to say about my drink. And all I'm going to say right now is that we're having a very interesting conversation. A lot of tentacles to this conversation, if you'll allow me that comment. This is the season debut. I think it is season three, but it seems a lot longer. The future of Cars with Game Changers Radio. My very special guests, Uli Munch at SAP, Jeff Hoylo at IDC Manufacturing Insights, and John Lenny at SAP. We're talking about whether CES 2018 made its entry as the world's most important automotive show, topping the other shows that are established all over the world. Is that important? Does it matter? I don't know. What's happening in automotive? Who are the disruptors? Are they taking little innovations and making them into great big ones that matter, as Elon Musk would like to say? What's happening? How soon will we have that perfect automotive self-driving experience where we willingly give up the keys? I'm not giving up my sports car keys anytime soon. So whatever this means to you, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be back with a lot more. Great roundtable coming up. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after we come back from the break. So Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. For women, the pressure to achieve is stronger, the work hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for our special series, Game Changing Women. Powerful women leaders will help you make sense of it all, analyze how you can change the game, and share their playbooks. 
Game Changing Women, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of cars with Game Changers. And the future is here, and we are changing the game. Quick shout-out. We have so many people tweeting. Really appreciate it. Uh, Miranda, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Labate or Labate, you will tell me. Miranda, we have Jane Liu at SAP. We've got Chris Carter at Aproyo. Nice to see you out here, Chris. Uh, we have somebody named Tanya, Tan Rob, 22. Thank you for tweeting. Uh, we have, oh, you're repeating. and repeat. So many people are tweeting, and we really appreciate it. Jim Davis Auto is with us. Anya Kokendorfer is with us today. Dave Parrish, one of the sponsors of this series. A lot of people, and I'm thankful to all of you for following along and helping us get the word out. Also, SAP Automotive is there on board, and thank you all. So, let's get back to our roundtable. We're speaking today to Uli Munch, Jeff Hoylo, and John Lenny. By the way, John spells his last name L-E-N-E-Y one N. If you're looking him up, you can find him somewhere online. We're talking about whether CES 2018 became the top of the heap, if you will, of the most important auto show in the world. It's really a bigger topic than that. What's happening with automotive? Who is disrupting? How close are we to perfection on technologies that impact our safety? Okay, so let's take a look at some notes here that Uli Munch sent me before the show, and here's where we're going to start the roundtable. He sent me a quote from Ford CEO Jim Hackett. Here's the quote. Transport systems in most major cities have reached capacity. It's time to bring our streets into the sharing economy. And then the side comment on that is promoting a shared use of vehicles and better communication between drivers, bikers, and pedestrians. Uli, please tell us more. Well, it's, isn't it telling that um, Jim Hackett, the Ford CEO, gave that speech as a keynote to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas? So uh, an auto CEO gave one of the keynotes, which, by the way, was so packed we couldn't even get in, right? You had to get in line like an hour or an hour and a half before, prior to the keynote, to get in the room. Isn't that amazing? So when we look at um, the topic of today's uh, conversation, right, a couple couple things. Uh, So CES is an electronics show. Detroit is an automotive show, right? Right. Uh, in Vegas, the, uh, the, the big deal was AI, artificial intelligence. In Detroit, the big deal was HP, horsepower. So what is, uh. where is the innovation? Is it really, do we have, I mean, when we look at uh, the, you know, these kind of shows, uh, we're comparing a little bit apples and oranges. Uh, Detroit is surely an in, uh, clearly an industry event, um, whereas uh, Vegas is, is much broader than just one industry. And when you look at the vehicle, right, I mean, you have electronics. All vehicles today are packed with electronics. I think it makes total sense to, to, um, uh, to consider uh, CES as the center of gravity uh, for the future. And when you look at uh, Fiat Chrysler, 
launching their new models at CES and not in Detroit, that's uh, pretty telling. And, and last point here, I really feel that maybe going forward, we're going to see mobility shows, not automotive shows or automobile shows, but mobility shows. Wow, that's a very, I like that provocative statement. Let's talk to Jeff Hoylow and see Jeff. Comment, please, on what Uli has introduced to us. Yeah, I um, I think, uh, well, I mean, I wasn't at the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, you know, there's, uh, I like the way you, you put that. Um, certainly, it's it's a you know a lot of focus on you know launching new products and the the latest and greatest uh, vehicles, um, and maybe less um, in Detroit on you know ecosystem and the broader number of players who are at play in designing, developing, and and uh, delivering uh, new connected and autonomous vehicles that that's on display at, at CES. Right. I mean, you walk through the North Hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center, and uh, you know this. Expansive ecosystem. It, it's amazing, right? Over over 500 auto show exhibitors again this year. I think it. I'm, uh, I'm guessing. I don't know for sure, but it's, it was at least one of the biggest uh, areas of CES. We were talking about car manufacturers, AI platform providers, simulation mm-hmm. software providers, mapping, security platforms, uh, sensors. Right, and there are, you know, there's a whole subcategory of multiple sensors that need to come into play within a vehicle. It's it's not just about lidar um, and other suppliers as well. Um, you know, Jen, Jensen Huang, the CEO of uh, Nvidia, called uh, autonomous vehicles the the most complex engineering challenge of of our time. And uh, again, with um, Elon Musk, I think uh, a few recently uh, said, well, it's, it, it's complex, but it's, it's definitely solvable. So, and, and I'm sure uh, Mr. Wong would agree, would agree with that, but it's, mm-hmm. it takes, uh, it takes a number of people to come, to come together. Um, you know, and NVIDIA uh, appeared on stage with uh, Intel's uh, Mobileye CEO, uh, as well as the CEO of, um, of Volkswagen. Uh, and and uh, the, the innovations that, that are, are happening across the areas I just mentioned, mapping, AI, processing, simulation, uh, they'll collectively add up to, uh, to the 2021 uh, goal. Um, I think the last, last point on, on this, uh, I think that, that needs to be brought out is, I mean, there are multiple, the multiple ecosystems at play here inside and outside the company. So within the company, there are a number of people involved in designing, developing, and delivering products. And, and then outside the company, it's, it's tier one suppliers, it's high tech companies, uh, but it's also academia uh, as well as smart cities, right? And federal government, state government, local government that need to come together on the regulation side um, to establish the ground rules for how autonomous vehicles will function, uh, which, which all, again, will result in the trust level of the general public rising and the acceptance of autonomous vehicles to, to actually happen one day. Thank you, Jeff. John Lenny, we'd love to hear from you. What are you thinking? Well, uh, I was one of the, one of the maybe 10,000 people who made it into the hall for uh, Jim mm. Hackett's uh, keynote speech, but as Uli Bravo. pointed out, had to get up early and, uh, and get in line early to get in there. It was quite fascinating. And, uh, uh, I think, uh, as Uli mentioned, it was interesting to have a, uh, a major automotive CEO kind of kicking things off with the keynote. Um, but what, uh, what it brought to me in that discussion was that, uh, well, two things. One, that uh, I guess the automobile is becoming the ultimate consumer electronic device. 
um, and we saw it in full display in Las Vegas. Uh, as Jeff mentioned, the technologies ranging far and wide, uh, and I think that's a reflection of the fact that the ecosystem of uh, automotive and let's just call it transportation and mobility is mm-hmm. uh, expanding to include many, many new players uh, and new uh, new ideas. Uh, the second uh, second point uh, that I thought was very, very interesting um, from um, Jim Hackett's uh, kickoff speech was um, the connection of the uh, vehicle to the surrounding ecosystem, and they called it the living street, and the technology is evolving to make that a reality, uh, to make our urban areas even more livable by um, improving uh, congestion and things like that. Uh, but it also brought, brings the, uh, the topic, uh, which will need to be addressed over time, of, of ethics and morality of all of our data uh, mm-hmm. being in the cloud somewhere. And, uh, and so I think uh, while the technology is intoxicating and will continue to evolve probably faster than any of us think, uh, it will um, require many, many changes in the surrounding ecosystem of our traditional transportation uh, and mobility uh, experiences. So uh, government, as Jeff mentioned, uh, insurance companies, legal, I, you know, I'm fascinated, for example, by, you know, the question uh, I, I get asked, who insures the fully autonomous vehicle? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the yes. driver today, we insure ourselves, but, uh, you know, in the future, that will cause dramatic changes just in something like uh, insurance, for example. So I thought Jim's speech brought out a lot of those those elements and was very relevant at the Consumer Electronics Show. Thank you. Bravo to you for being one of the 10,000 who got in the door for that speech. Wow. Very interesting. Thanks for the comments there, John. Appreciate it. Uli, let's circle around the table to you. Anything you'd like to add to the topic you started and or what your colleagues on the panel said, Jeff and John? Yeah, I, I, you know what, to, to add to what Jeff and John said about the ecosystem, the new players, the new ideas, and, uh, you know, I'm looking at a study that uh, the Boston Consulting Group issued just a couple of days ago, and it's, it's titled The Great Mobility Tech Race, Winning the Battle for Future Profits. And I'm sure that's been... This study is being circulated in uh, many of, of the of the companies we've been working with for many years, and and one statement uh, I'd like to cite here is: profit pools will grow in areas where incumbents do not possess competitive advantages. What does that mean? It means that there are predictions of data-enabled services that uh, we all going to use as consumers going forward because now our vehicles are more and more connected. And with that connectedness, uh, you know, we can take advantage of uh, better insurance rates, for example, or, or mm-hmm. other things or services that, uh, that, that make our life more convenient. But who's going to benefit? Who, who's going to make the sale? Who's going to uh, benefit from those profits, which are, are, are been forecasted in hundreds of millions over the next uh, 10, 20 years. And guess what, right? That's, uh, the jury is out who that is. And a lot of people are after that. And we see automotive companies going into that uh, data-enabled service field. A lot of people are, are trying things out. We're seeing startup disrupting the scenes. And, 
And that's, uh, that's fascinating. And I think uh, we're going to see a lot of things shaking out here over the next couple of years. Thank you. Very good insights. I, I am really enjoying this conversation. I have to say to my three panelists, we started out talking about CES as the core of our topic. Is it becoming the world's most important auto show? And we're branching out into the real issues of what's happening in the automotive industry that people may have seen a glimpse of or heard a whisper about at CES. So great conversation. Jeff Hoylow, I'm looking at your notes. We're going to move on here. Uh, I want to read just one sidebar comment, and then I'll tell you where I'd like to go. You mentioned the biggest hurdle for autonomous vehicles may be human inertia and love of driving. I'm just going to let that one sit. Don't say a word because we've already talked about that. You and I both love our cars and love driving. Now, let's talk about monetization. Data monetization is the puzzle everyone in the auto industry is trying to solve. How do you make money from connected vehicles? And I think that we have a good segue from what Uli just mentioned about where will the profit pools be from this great mobility tech race. Jeff, you want to take us into how you see your insights on profitability for connected vehicles? Yeah, it's... um it's it's certainly a uh, a challenging discussion right now. Data monetization. Uh, I don't think anyone has has figured figured it out. There's a lot of focus as we've been talking about on, you know, getting the AI platform, the the brain of autonomous vehicles and the technology, uh, the multiple points of technology working together so that there's a safe and and uh, so that the vehicles can be operated in, in a safe and trusted way. That needs to be the fir- the primary focus. Uh, while that's all happening, you know, petabytes of data on a daily, weekly basis are being uh, uh, are, are being uh, created um, by you know cars, by trucks, by public transportation, um, and so the the question comes up, of course, from manufacturers, from others in the industry, how do we actually make money off of that? And I, I think there are a couple different you know vectors you could you could go down uh, with that. Um, you know, one is, is of course, how do I? You think how do I? How do I sell that that data, right? And and you have to kind of think, well, who are the different? Uh, go back to the different ecosystem players that are involved. You know, smart cities that cars are driving through, the uh, the platform providers, the mobile platform providers that eventually will provide 5G uh, and potentially be delivering a lot of the content across that. Uh, there, are, there are tier one suppliers that uh, are designing and managing and optimizing the AI platform over time uh, to make sure that, you know, data is flowing seamlessly. So there are a number of people involved, and I think the business models haven't been necessarily worked out there. You know, think of what are the different ways you can make money off selling data from connected products? You know, it's some discussion around, you know, enabling better city planning, enabling better road development, advertising, you know, where do I put my, my billboard advertising based on, you know, who's driving where and at what time and so forth? You know, can that data be aggregated uh, and anonymized in such a way that it could be sold? So I think, you know, maybe those are a couple of different opportunities uh, around location, mapping, you know, profiles of driver types. Um, I think maybe what's more interesting, a couple more points is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the delivery of, and this is when we reach level four and level five autonomy, this, this becomes a, a, really possible, I think, is the delivery of infotainment and software content um, where, you know, when people can actually begin to interact with that content within a vehicle and they have downtime and they're not paying attention to driving, you know, how do they in- interact with some of the, the newer content that could be served to them? It could be classic, you know, video, music, that, that sort of thing. It could be AR, VR content, um, and, and it could be, or it could be from a software standpoint. It's, you're, you're driving, 
usually drive in the city and, you know, flat areas, you're driving to the mountains to go skiing one weekend, so maybe you need a software upgrade for that weekend that you pay for, you pay mm-hmm. for that for a certain period of time, right? So maybe that's another yes. way to, to make money. But, you know, maybe the, the one area that's, that's over, overlooked is just improving business processes over time and making companies more, more efficient, right? Uh, bringing information back from connected vehicles to smart cities and manufacturers to, so that they can design and develop and improve the services and uh, they're delivering and also the functionality of the vehicle over time and also their processes internally for how, they, uh, how they're developing, designing, delivering, improving vehicles over time. So, so data can also just improve, simply improve efficiencies, right? It's not sexy, but, you know, at the end of the day, it does help you uh, make, make more money and, and just become a more efficient organization, so... Thank you, Jeff. Very, very interesting. A lot of thoughts in there. Let's see what John Lenny has to add. John, share with us. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting, very interesting time. As, as uh, Uli and Jeff pointed out, the business models are rapidly changing and evolving, and there's many, many new players in the ecosystem vying for some of those profit pools. So I, I, you know, I reflected on that a little bit while uh, I was listening to my colleagues speak, and it goes back to the quote I, uh, I gave from Sir Winston Churchill: "Change uh, uh, happens often and fast, and and perfection requires much change." So um, I think you know these new business models are being tried out rapidly, and the ones that are uh, working will work, and the ones that aren't are being quickly discarded in in favor of new ones. Um, and so it brings to my mind, uh, you know, a real shift in the industry uh, from, you know, when I started many years ago, where it was kind of an environment of the big eat the small, you know, to, to, to dominate, you had to be big. Um, I don't think it's that way anymore. I think it's the fast dominate the slow. And so as these mm-hmm. <clears throat> new business models are tested and tried, it's going to be the companies that can be nimble and flexible and fast uh, to experiment and drive them and, and take advantage of them that will, will win the game ultimately in, these, uh, in, the, in the future of this uh, new connected uh, autonomous uh, world of transportation and mobility. Thank you, John. Uli Munch, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. We've got a lot on the table here. Talk to me. Yeah, I'm picking it up from um, John. But you just said, uh, I, no, I think it was it was Jeff, right? Make you know, city planning, outdoor advertising, making cities smarter. You know, we all uh, hate sitting in traffic, right? Nobody, nobody likes that, and we see more and more of that. Uh, you know, city traffic's getting worse. More vehicles on the road, and. Uh, I think there is a there's an opportunity to really make the world a better place with all of this, right? Uh, you know, we we can, you know, there are opportunities, and as much as um, I, you know, being the optimist again here, right, and and saying saying yes to to change, uh, just in the spirit of Game Changers Radio, let's let's mm-hmm. change the game and try to 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 you know make the the, the world a better place. We're talking about. Uh, connected healthcare and all these kind of things, you know, yes, um, uh, there are opportunities. So that's, if, if we go openly in this, and that's the beauty of, of opportunities and all of these startups coming in with fresh ideas, uh, as we have seen most importantly at CES. And uh, yeah, well, m- much of this, uh, what we saw there may never be, uh, you know, come to 
to market, but uh, the the sheer ideas it's, uh, they, they are so exciting, and and I think it's it's refreshing and it's it's, uh, it's a nice way of uh, rein, uh, reinvigorating the the automotive industry, which in in some part uh, you know is not the the fastest in in, in adapting and changing. Mm, let's yeah, see how they it. would react to that. Very very interesting, Uli. Anything else you want to add? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, Jeff, let's circle around to you. I want to make sure we get in one or two more comments from, uh, I'm looking at the notes from John Lenny, but Jeff Hoylo, anything you want to add to a very provocative content you just shared with us? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, first of all, I, I, maybe just a couple of quotes to highlight. I mean, Uli mentioned, uh, you know, just making, you know, the world we live in a, a, just a, a better place. And I think Jim Hackett's quote was something along the lines of it's, Really, uh, what we're going after here is it's it's about humans having a better day at the end of the day, right? When when uh, car companies work with with smart cities to connect them and and so you know and put platforms in place like you know cellular vehicle to everything or CV2X, uh, which enables you know connectivity to things and people and cars to cars and you know all that underlying technology you know adds up to the point where it's it's really about um, us having kind of a a seamless, you know, good good day where we can access the content we need. We can access the services quickly uh, that makes sense to us. Um, the other the other you know quote that jumped out at me, and this this is reflective of this phenomenon we we talk about at IDC of we, we talk about industries in terms of value chain. So the engineering oriented value chain is companies like automotive and other complex discrete high tech. Uh, the technology-oriented value chain, or TOVC, uh, and consumer electronics, semiconductor—they've always had to move really, really quickly, right? Their their uh, their time time to market demands and and competitive the competitive landscape has just been, uh, you know, uh, has has been driving that for years. And Panasonic's quote was, you know, major growth sector for them is automotive, and they're moving at the speed of consumer electronics to make this happen, right? And Panasonic works with Tesla. For battery development in Toyota, uh, they're partnering with Amazon Alexa, as is everybody, um, mm-hmm. and uh, other voice uh, technologies. Um, so you're seeing this kind of merging and blending of value chain approaches of of the way of doing business, right? So the old way of you know designing and developing products was a little bit in the automotive industry was much slower, right? Maybe it was 18 months and beyond were the cycles for new products, and now it's it's condensed and compressed considerably so there's this kind of high techization of of how you know cars are in and other vehicles are brought to market and improved over time and changed and so forth thank you jeff great segue into a point i want to pick up from john lenny's notes john i didn't forget you and you've been certainly a very important part of this conversation but something in your notes i don't remember hearing this yet you say even while tech new technology and competitors emerge the traditional drivers of cost and quality remain highly relevant and important. And your second comment, this is what I'd like you to speak to. While self-driving cars and electric vehicles grab the headlines, pickup trucks and SUVs still pay the bills for most car makers. John, talk to me. Very interesting. Well, I think it goes back to the uh, discussion we had a little bit earlier about the auto show in Detroit and uh, Mm -hmm. the consumer electronics show. So, you know, in in the past, uh, big shows like Frankfurt or Tokyo or Detroit were where new concept vehicles were rolled out. And the concepts, uh, for those of you who were ever at an auto show, you know, 10 years ago and, and 
five, maybe even five years ago, saw concept cars were all these flashy new uh, styled kind of ideas. I see the new concepts coming more and more at shows like CES, where we're, we're exploring some of the things that we've already talked about. But one of the things I, uh, you know, as I left CES and went to Detroit for the show there, um, came out is that, uh, you know, the Detroit show was very, very much about um, you know, getting to the consumers and what they're uh, buying today with all the new technology being added to these vehicles. Um, you know, the, the traditional metrics in the car companies, let's say, are still relevant. Uh, they still have to produce high-quality vehicles. Uh, they still have to do that uh, at uh, competitive costs and, as Jeff pointed out, ever-compressing cycle times to bring new uh, products to the market. And uh, the consumers are still buying, if you look at you know, you know, sales information and things like that. Uh, what Detroit told us was you know, the things that people are buying is still uh, traditional, um, say, pickups, SUVs, and things like that. So, so it's a blend for uh, the traditional car companies to, to operate in, say, two modes. Mode one of, you know, say, traditional design development sales of, of vehicles to pay the bills. And mode two of, you know, this fast, nimble, bringing new technology into new ecosystems and things like that. So um, I see it kind of as a blend of the, of the two worlds. And those who can navigate that successfully uh, uh, or can manage that successfully will be the winners uh, in the coming years. Um, Thank you, John. I want to stop you because we're we're technically in the crystal ball prediction round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start the crystal ball with you. You get 60 seconds added time right now to tell me your prediction, which you've been doing for the past two minutes, which is great. And then I'll go around to Uli and Jeff. So crystal ball time, 60 seconds. John Lenny, go. Well, I guess for my crystal ball is the uh, technology is coming faster than any of us uh, can uh, can anticipate. So this level five autonomous vehicle uh, will be here faster uh, from a technology perspective than I think uh, any of us imagine. And some of the other topics we discussed around the the ethics, the the regulation, the morality the, uh, of connected vehicles in connected cities and the broader ecosystem will will have to um, evolve quicker uh, because technology is coming along like a locomotive um, to enable this fully autonomous, connected, uh, smart vehicle. Thank you, John. I like the introduction of the word locomotive. We're mixing our transportation modes here, and I appreciate that very much. Thoughts of the old uh, car stuck on the tracks. Don't even go there, Bonnie. Uli Munch, I'm ready for you. I have a whole 60 seconds, maybe even 90 seconds if you really, really want them for your predictions. Uli, what do you see 2020 and later coming in automotive? Your turn. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to see. I'm, I'm going to start. If you give me 90 seconds, I'm going to start with uh, something I just read uh, recently. In China, Alibaba has introduced a vending machines for cars in two cities. Isn't that amazing, right? So, oh my goodness! I think, uh, what, <laughs> what that tells us is just just like we all uh, started. Or I speak for myself. I, I love Lyft and Uber. I'm using I'm using them a lot. So new consumption models will grow probably rather quickly, and especially in some parts of the world, 
I'm thinking Asia, uh, where, you, where you see mega cities like uh, Shanghai or, or, or even Singapore, where, you know, owning a car does not make sense. Uh, we see subscription models picking up with Buick in New York City, with with uh, uh, Porsche uh, Passport in Atlanta. So these things will 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 we'll see change here maybe quicker than many of us think. And uh, we also are going to see fleet operators. Um, you know, they, their role will grow, especially in automotive uh, in in uh, autonomous um, scenarios and. Um, you know, watch my, my, my tweets uh, and my hashtag, watch China. Watch China, that's all I'm saying. Okay, very interesting. Vending machines for cars, you've got me fascinated. I wonder how big the machine will be from the next iteration of my little sports car, my little two-seater. <laughs> my little two-seater with almost no trunk space except for five small bags of groceries and no back seat and, and a, a soft top. Wow, I can't wait to see that come out of a machine. Talk about a new birth model. Jeff Hoylo, I saved 60 seconds for you. They're all yours. Go ahead. Okay, great. And, and uh, yeah, I'm thinking in terms of uh, you know what what we'll see at CES 20, 2019. Um, so I, you know I think the the the, uh, the trend of of artificially intelligent products everywhere will certainly continue, but with a couple of nuances. Uh, one is, and I think it was IBM that that talked about this. A woman from uh, the IBM research group is you know AI expanding to. Um, to address conversation and context, right? Explaining the why of AI. What, why do AI cars or AI products make the decisions that they do, which will become much more important when we reach L4 and L5 um, autonomy. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, if there's an accident, we're going to have to, for example, we'll have to look and, and see why the decisions were made to, to go one way and not the other. Um, AI processing and validation at the edge, right? So, you know, toughest engineering problem of our, of our day. Cars need to keep running and, and keep us safe, while at the same time need to continue to learn and get smarter. And, and that means simulation, validation, testing. Uh, it has to happen at the edge, and it, let alone, you know, out in the cloud-based environment to, to make the next ride safer. Voice and biometrics into UI of vehicles, I think we'll see that. Uh, 5G, we haven't really talked, talked about this, but um, uh, 5G advances, I think, will lead to more of a focus on connected product monetization. I didn't really hear a lot about monetization this year, but I think, uh, at least externally, but I think a lot of discussion there. Uh, continued proliferation of alternative forms of transportation and models. We mentioned this. Um, you know, uh, there, there are, were a number of examples of autonomous buses and transport systems uh, emerging and evolving, and I think we'll just, you know, our imaginations are our only limitations here in terms of what the, the new forms of transportations and models could be, but I think you'll, you'll continue to see a lot of uh, progress on that front. Thank you, Jeff. We are out of time. What a wonderful conversation. I can't thank the three of you enough. Uli Munch at SAP, Jeff Hoylow at IDC, Manufacturing Insights. Say hello to our friends at IDC, please, Jeff, and John Lenny at SAP. A big shout-out and a hug to Dave Parrish and Miranda Labade. I'm going to say it that way, Miranda. Correct me later. And a shout-out RIP to our founding sponsor three years ago, Larry Stoley. What a great panel. The three of you set the bar so high. Can't wait till our next episode in a couple weeks. So I'm 
I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you to our fearless engineer slash driver, Aaron, at the Business Channel. And here's my call to action. How appropriate. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Uli, just like Jeff, just like John. And thank you to our wonderful tweeters. We love you all. Signing off for now, I'll be back in one hour with the season debut of Startup Focus with Game Changers, talking about the disruptor's dilemma. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.